Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Donna Dort. Donna Dort. Donna Dort. This is Lee Dort and I'm Donna Dunk. This is Lee Dort and I'm Donna Dort. I'm Josh Giddy and I'm down to dunk. Hey, this is Kenny Hustle, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Darius Baisley, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Mike Muscala, and I'm down to dunk. This is Poku, and I'm down to dunk. I love cereal. Captain Crunch. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Cracklin' Oat Brand. Oh, I can have these? I'm going to share with my team, but I'm a hog most of them. Uh, let's talk about this Brooklyn game a little bit which was quite interesting from from a lot of vantage points as a Thunder observer. Um, the Thunder win 130 to 109, uh, which is an absurd amount of points for this Thunder team to score. Uh, great night from Shea. Shea. Shea was incredible, man. He had 33 points on 18 shots. 9 or 10 from the free throw line. Still only took five threes. He's really started taking a lot less threes has been driving a lot some of that i think is a product of who he's playing like this nets team was horrific on defense and then uh i also just think the wizards team was horrid too so it's nice that he's had these two games but it's also against like two very very bad defensive squads so that helps him get back on track obviously he could have played poorly so he didn't. So that's good. Uh, so we have that. Josh Giddy had a really nice night, too. 19 points, seven assists, three boards. He kind of put this game away, which I thought was interesting because the Nets went on this, you know, mini run in the fourth quarter. He thought, okay, maybe there's a chance that they can get back into the game. And then Josh hits two shots in a row, one of them a three. That completely put the game out of reach, which I thought was just a good sign to see. Um, so, yeah, that was fun. Uh, Mamadi Diakite, my guy, one of the most friendly men in the world, back on the squad from, uh, he was on the training camp roster. They signed him to a 10-day, played 10 minutes last night, didn't do much at all, but it's good to see him. Uh, Darius Baisley and Mike Pascala kind of carried the team off the bench last night. Both were very, very good. Baisley, in particular, looked really good last night. 16 points, five boards, and a block. That was really good to see. So if you have questions, please ask on stage. We'd love to hear from you. Hopefully we get some of the Frypod guys on here. I know Taylor's been trying to get on here. Um, so, uh, and if not, I'll just keep rambling. Come on, Taylor. Let's see if Taylor can talk on here. Tayshawn, are you there? Hey, can y'all hear me now? Yes. What's up, dude? What's going on? Dude, I couldn't believe uh so I was working late last night and then came home and checked the score 
And my eyes, like, you know, in those cartoons when their eyes just like pop out of their skulls and they shoot out like, yeah. yeah. I could not believe this team scored 130 points. I don't care if the defense was bad. Yeah. I, I cannot believe that they scored 130 points. And I watched the highlights and looked at um, some stuff and it made sense. I mean, it just looked like everyone was just on. They had so yeah. much confidence. And I know we texted about it last night, but. Man, they shot 43, 45 three-point yeah. shots. That's yeah. got to be the most on the season, right? The most on the season. That's also the most makes on the season. They shot 20 of 45. They were 44% from three, which is unbelievable. Yeah. That is actually yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. I had to see it. I had to actually look at it and see that it, it happened in real life. Yeah. Um, Josh Giddy taking 11 threes. Yeah, that's really something. And some of that was... Um, Shea trying to get the triple double. Honestly, <laughs> the, yeah. the ball just ended up in Josh's hands a lot. And credit to Josh, like he's taking the shots. You know, I, I'm totally cool with him taking as many threes as possible. I I love it, and I feel like his that three point shot has looked better. Like it 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 just looks a little smoother, and it goes in with it. So it passes the eye test more than it passes, like, the numbers test. Yeah. Because I feel like he's making a lot more than he actually is, which I think is a good sign, right? Yeah. Oh, I think so. I, th- I think I think just the fact that he's a willing shooter, I, he's not going to be a good shooter this year. Like, I'm just not counting that on that, banking on that at all. But mm-hmm. if he's a willing shooter and he can change some of that, I think that's very, very important to what he can be as a player, because I think he's already established like this baseline of like, he can be a guy that runs the offense. He's an incredible passer, great rebounder. Uh, and if he can actually score the basketball at some level, I mean, that would be just outstanding. Uh, Al, what's up? What's up guys? Hey, what's up? Hey, what's up? (laughs) I was just, I was just trying to read, uh, the De'Aaron Fox, Ben Simmons story. From, uh, sorry, from, sorry to disturb you. From Chris Haynes. Yeah. It sent me yeah. to the Yahoo main page about the guy who got the uh, heart transplant from a pig. Oh, yeah. I feel weird yeah, he, that. he apparently stabbed seven guys, and people are upset that he got the heart pig. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, Al, do you have any thoughts on last night's game? I mean, it was just like a confluence of perfect events to create this amazing game. I mean, Brooklyn... I, I could not believe how bad they looked. And it wasn't just that Kyrie was not there and Kevin Durant. Like, Claxton not being there was a huge sure. deal. Sure. Because there was just, like, nothing going on inside defensively. Yeah. yeah. And it's been two games of this now because we saw the same thing with Washington. And so it's kind of, like, trying to figure out how much of this is Shea. Like, not just turning a corner, but, like, deliberately – changing the way he's playing versus them just running into two awful defensive teams inside. And so it'll be interesting to see how he keeps this up because on the one hand, like I kind of hope he's just got a a little more confidence from this run. Like who cares if they're bad defensively? And you know, when they start playing better teams, we still see this kind of aggressiveness because it's just a really fun version of Shea to watch when he's looking like this. And I think that's, 
I think that it, so he's been playing a little bit more aggressive since like December first. He had that really good month in December, and then he had a week or so that he was struggling. But it's clear that what you were saying, Al, like he's been really trying to play so much more aggressively and and score the ball. And when he plays that way and he's scoring the ball, he it just opens up so much more. I mean, we talked about how he got the ball to Josh Giddy a bunch last night because he was trying to get the triple double. But the fact that he can go for that is different than the Shea that we had seen in years prior consistently. And I'm really excited to see what happens on Saturday because Saturday they play Cleveland yeah, with yeah. Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. Yeah. That is, like going from Washington and Brooklyn to those two guys is like 180. And so I'm very interested to see how Shea plays in that type of a game because the rim protection is just going to be on another level. Over oh. under nine and a half threes for Shea on Saturday. Nine and a half? Yeah. yeah. Under. Yeah. How many times does he shoot nine and a half threes frequently? I'm just saying, like, against that defense, like, they, these guys take what the defense gives them. If you think that Shea's just going to drive to the hoop all night on Cleveland? Andrew, he has taken more than nine and a half twice this season. You got to lower that over under. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's possible. Andrew, it's, it's actually a good it's actually a good bet to make because it's happened so few times. You should really put actual money on that. <laughs> Even though he just set the odds, he's gonna bet <laughs> with himself. <laughs> yeah, because they, they haven't played Cleveland this year yet, so we don't even like no, really no. have a barometer for what they'll try to do. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, let me see how many times he's taken nine threes in a game. One, two, uh, twice all season against the Bucks. He took twelve. And against the Lakers, he took eleven. So against two like big teams, the teams that play big. Yeah. Yeah, that that'll be really interesting. Let's um, make the bet. Make the bet. All right, sign it up. Sign it All up, right, everybody. How much money? 50 bucks. Bet 50 bucks. Can you make the bet? Can you make the bet? Uh, okay. Let's, uh, let's invite some people on stage to ask some questions. Feel free to direct the question at whoever you'd like uh, or just at the group in general. So we're going to start with Chad S. What's up, Chad? Oh, Chad, are you there? No, Chad. All right. Classic Chad. Classic Chad. Uh, Chad has actually been in this quite a bit, so I'm going to take him out and then add him later on if he wants to get back in. Uh, we'll go to Muhammad. All right, Muhammad, how's it going? You might have a mute button issue. It's going well so far. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yes. What's up? Man? Awesome. Man, I just like I was I was in a group chat the other day and I was like texting them like I can't wait to search up Trey Man tonight on Twitter and see how he embarrasses his defender today. And that was like <laughs> 30 minutes before he hit that killer crossover or the mm. yeah, <laughs> and he wow. saps back and he just drains it. So beautiful. I love watching him play. He but like so he's so good, but like I just I'm I'm curious, and I I do this constant thought experiment on 
how high is this guy's ceiling? Like, I know he's already an elite space separation, like, generator. Like, how much further can he go based on that skill and what can he improve on, like, from here, you know? Because he already has, like, a 1% skill. Like, what other player can create separation like this? I really, like, can't even think of one. Yeah. I mean, that plus the three-point shooting is why the Thunder drafted him. It was just like, hey, we know he can do this. If there's something else, great. If not, like, well, maybe he's just a guy that can get buckets off the bench. Uh, I I don't know how high his ceiling is, honestly, and I don't think the Thunder do either. I think they drafted him with the intention of kind of making him a bench score. Uh, but the more I kind of watch him play, the more I kind of want to see him play with guys like Shea and Giddy just because he can shoot and has some gravity. So, Alex, I don't know what you think about his like ultimate ceiling, but I, I think that he has a high ceiling. Can he get there is like another question. Well, you, you've mentioned it, Andrew, how you kind of just want to see him have a game where he can just take over. And that's the thing that's been missing, if anything, with Trey's game is like, I don't know if it's a confidence thing or it's probably just the team trying to start him out small and slowly build up. But he hasn't had that kind of like takeover mentality or we haven't seen it yet. And so I think when projecting his ceiling, if he's really going to be like a, an elite type of score at some point, like you have to see that. And he's not a guy who, who feels that way so far. But on the flip side, like his playmaking flashes get me really excited too. And yeah, it's hard to see how that's going to come in the future with Shea on the court and Giddy on the court. But that's the part that I really want to explore as well, because I think that's another part to his ceiling that I didn't really expect coming into the season. To me, he kind of plays like this, uh, like a potential six man of the year kind of guy. Mm-hmm. They'll like come off the bench. Okay, he can score. He's got the ball in his hands. He can make plays every now and then. But the way he scores is so flashy and so it, it's there's so much talent behind that and athleticism behind that. It feels like he could be a really good scorer eventually. You know, if he yeah. hits a couple more of those jumpers, those step back jumpers. But also, it's kind of funny thinking about you know watching him and comparing it to how we talked about Teo last year, because I think we would watch Teo last year and especially when Shea was out and think, okay, this is a guy that could really be something for this team in the future hopefully maybe you know backup point guard something like that and now with Trey Mann I'm like uh who's Tao yeah yep. I would just I would just I think say just, that like you know we've seen Tao is just solid last year it was even hard to point out like what does he do that's good like everything is just kind of solid like across the board with Tao and I still think that there might be like a decent player in there but you know, I, th- I think that there's just better players on the roster today, especially at the guard position. So there's really not room to even explore that anymore with him. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see, like, can he be more than like a Will Barton type of player? Who's like a starting level player, off, like better as a backup, you know, come in, get, get you buckets, maybe, you know, close games for you. Make, maybe that's the kind of player we're talking about, which would be great. Like Will Barton's been awesome for the for the Nuggets, and if and if you know Trey Mann can be that kind of player, I mean that's a steal, you know, oh, where yeah. they got him in the draft. Yeah, I, I was thinking of someone like Jordan Poole, because um, yeah. 
they're about the same height. He's 6'4", 194. Trey Mann is 6'5", 190. And, you know, he's putting up 17, 3, and 3. He's he's not shooting it great from three this year, but like that type of the line where he still can be that kind of secondary playmaker for you off the bench. It's not like he's coming in and just scoring. I think someone like that maybe would be – I mean, that would be awesome if he turned into Jordan Poole this year eventually. It's hard to believe Trey Mann's 6'5". Like even the way he plays, like when he dunks, it's really – it feels shocking that he's dunking and finishing these alley-oops, and you're like, man, that is some athleticism out of a small guy. I know. Like, well, he, he is 6'5". If you told me he was 6'2", and I just never looked it up, I would have believed it. And I feel like such an idiot. Maybe it's because he's playing like next to Josh, and even Shea's big. Yeah. Wow. He just looks smaller in comparison. No. I think no. he measured at 6'3 and something at the Combine. Oh, really? Think, so is this just know. lies from Basketball Reference? I think it might be. I've been in the same room with him a bunch. Like, I did the interview with him at Summer League. If you would have asked me how tall he was, I would have never ever said six five. Yeah, it was like okay. it was like that was like kind of like the pre-draft hype was like, oh yeah, he gained like two inches or three inches, uh, like over the summer, yep. like between his freshman and sophomore year, and then the combine was like, oh, he's not actually six. Yeah, yeah, six three and a quarter was what he measured at the draft combine. Wow. Hmm. Well, that's well, fine. So Russell Westbrook. Great. We got Russell Westbrook again. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> oh, man. Mohammed, thanks for the question. Really appreciate you. Appreciate man. you having me. Thank you. Uh, we're going to bring on Trent W. Trent, feel free to ask anybody here a question. Yeah, dudes. Uh, just a couple offensive questions, really, towards either of you and what you guys think of, like, Mark this year in terms of, you know, when he's been available, so to mm-hmm. speak. Um, because last night, like you guys said, I mean, they were just, everybody was on. And I'm wondering if that's just indicative to how Mark wants these guys to play for the remainder of this, you know, process. And are, is, is it more likely that people are going to be off than on? Because while I was happy to see last night's result, I don't want to expect that too much, you know? So. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that is it's definitely the way they want to play. They want to play downhill a lot. They want to play fast. They want to generate a lot of threes. Like, that's how they want to play, ultimately. And this roster is just not conducive to that. Last night was an aberration. Like, that's they likely will not make 23s in a game the rest of the season. You know, that's it's probably not going to happen. Now so, it's going to happen. Now it's going to happen now that I said it right. I know it'll happen against Cleveland. Right. It's going to be like a flu, like a backwards (laughs) flu where we have to start making everything. Right. Exactly. Um, But yeah, I mean, Mark is very involved in the way their offense is run. I mean, he calls a lot of plays from the sidelines, uh, especially to start games. Now when they kind of get into a flow, he will, will let them go a little bit, but at the start of games, like he's, he's out there calling sets for them. Um, and definitely when there's like a ball stoppage, he will be up calling different sets for them to run. So he's, he's very, very involved in what they're doing offensively. And he does, he's constantly yelling for them to push. Um, when they get a rebound, Mark is up yelling for them to push. Um, that's, that's a pretty constant thing. Like he wants them to get into their offense as quickly as possible because he knows that with the limited shooting that they have, you know, the, the, the quicker, the better with regards to getting into their sets. So 
yeah, I think that last night is definitely how they want to play. It's very easy to play that way against a really bad defense. Now, what can they do against a, one of the better defenses in Cleveland? It's it'll be really interesting to see the contrast. Yeah, about you bringing up SGA in the threes, it got me curious. Like, what does that? How does that reflect his driving? Like, does that does he drive less, or does it even not take away any drives? I'm curious about that. What you guys see? Yeah, I mean, I think that that Cleveland will try to take away the drive from him, and they have the personnel to do so. So I just wonder, as he kind of tries to attack Cleveland's defense, if he's just going to settle for more threes. Also, you know, he hit a he hit a quarter three off ball last night, and I I think that's something that they'll be looking to do more as well. Is just getting Shea off the ball. So I'll be interested to see if maybe they try to do that a little bit more if those lanes are shut down on Saturday. Do you think this is a game where they start uh, Derek Favors, go back to him? Oh, gross. Oh, probably. Or Mamadi. Yeah. We haven't talked yeah. about him yet. Yeah. Uh, I would guess they would go with Favors over Diakite. No. I love, I love Diakite. So. Yes. Yes. Get him in there. That's yeah. I'm, all, I'm all about it. All right. Yeah. Thanks. Yep. Thanks, Trent. Uh, all right. Let's go to our next question. Let's go to Jeb. So you think they'll be more likely to sign uh, shooters or a big, like, for, like, free agents um, if the Thunder end up, like, being more like a, in, like in winning mode um, in the future? Yeah, it's a good question. I think it will depend on the draft mostly to see where they're at. Because if they draft one of these bigs at the top, like if they end up drafting Chet and then maybe they keep Darius, maybe they, maybe they sign Darius to some small extension. Then I think it's very unlikely with those two plus JRE. And I mean, they just don't really have a lot of room for a big at that point. So if they are able to get a big at the top of the draft, I think that changes things. If they fall back in the draft and there's not as many bigs in that range that I think you'd want, maybe they sign, maybe they draft a shooter, then perhaps they might look on the market for somebody. Or, I mean, there's also a chance they just keep Derek Favors around for another season. You know, he's got another year left on his deal. There's a chance that he's just here again, that we get, you know, two years of giant Dort, which is totally fine. But my, my guess is that Free agency, they will not be doing much. I would guess that it'll, that they will acquire meaningful players via the draft or through trade. And then, you know, the, the times that we've seen Presti active in free agency is tip, typically when they're going for it. So I, I would say that we're still years away from yeah, them yeah. being free agent players. So okay. no, no Karan Butler uh, type. Player coming in. Oh my gosh! I, I hope that we never have to even talk about a Karan Butler type of player, you know, ever again. Because it was we were looking for somebody that could come in and change the the team, and it was it was very bad, very very bad. Okay. All right. So all right, one more thing. So I posted on the under subreddit not too long ago. A trade, and I, I got absolutely destroyed, you know, as you do when you post trades. Um, <laughs> so uh, it was for, because I, I, it was from, I heard you guys, you and Alex talking about Patrick Williams and how you thought it would be like a huge price for him. 
I think that like if we were to trade like Kenrich, uh, Favors, and Baisley, we would think Baisley would be really good on in a role like that. And those players and like a few decent picks, uh, it's possible. But then again, you know, that argument gets destroyed when it's when you consider Detroit and you know if they traded Grant for um, Williams. Yeah, that's that's the hold it for me as well. Like, if they could, if he if they even wanted Jeremy Grant for what they need right now, that's just like such a bigger and better upgrade than really anything OKC can offer them. Like, obviously, we can offer a ton of picks. We can offer those players you mentioned. But if they're trying to win the championship this year or they, like, really want to be a serious contender, like, Jeremy Grant is, like, a way better option. And I still don't think they're going to do that. Um, so I think I think it would be just a huge price for them to give up on Patrick Williams. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if the Thunder were trying to get on Patrick Williams, I think that the the conversations would start with Dort, honestly. Yeah. I think like that would be. I'd still be shocked if Dort got traded. Like I heard yeah. the argument you guys were making that you know with his contract and, and everything, but still just like what he like means to the team and uh, you know like his relationship with Shea. Um, yeah, that too. Yeah, I I don't I don't think they're gonna trade him either. I would I would be surprised by it. Um, however. You know, Presti around these times is is going to make a decision on a guy yeah. within the next year or so. We'll know what the decision is on Dort. Would be my guess. So, you know, he traded Jeff Green once upon a time. Who was really good friends with with KD. You know, I and at the time there was more of a log jam of scoring and stuff like that going on. So, uh, Thunder don't have those problems today. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. But yeah, I, think, I mean, Patrick Williams would be great here, but I just don't think Thunder have the juice unless we're talking Dort and multiple first, probably. Yeah, cool. All right, nice talking. Right. Yep, thanks, Chad. Let's bring on Chad S. Chad, what's up? Oh no, are we having more Chad issues? <laughs> Is this Luke's brother just trolling us? No, I think this is an, another Chad. All right, can you hear me now? There he is. What's up, Chad? All right, sorry about that, guys. Um, yeah. Uh, first off, happy Friday to all you guys. Um, my question's for everyone. Um, given that the Clippers pick is uh, looking like it's probably going to rapidly start descending, or ascending in the reverse standings, I guess you could say. Um, hypothetically speaking, if say we get like the three pick and, you know, five to eight or whatever. Um, do you try to move up and trade, trade up to get to one or two to get either, you know, your pick of Chet or, uh, Paolo? Um, or do you stay at three and then, or stay at, uh, those two picks? I think it all depends where that first pick is. Like if it really is at three, I'd probably just stay there and have the extra top 10 pick. Um, because it, you know, listening to Sam Bassini, like there's so much difference in opinion on how people would rank the top three or even the top four. There's not like the obvious automatic guy that everyone's like, okay, it's definitely Zion's going number one. And then, you know, we can debate number two or whatever. So 
unless there's someone that unless they think Chet is just like a generational player, I personally would just rather stay at three and have the extra top ten pick to take someone else. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I think that, I mean, depending on who it is that drops, you're going to get one of the bigs probably. And that right. that really fills what the Thunder need from any of them, honestly. Like, I, I would not be upset if they got any of the three. And then you get your wild card. You know, Presti valued Josh Giddy a lot higher than a lot of other people did, or at least how, you know, draft Twitter valued Josh Giddy. Uh, so maybe there's another player in this next draft around like the eight, you know, eight to 10 or wherever that Presti's just like, no, I think that that guy's a lot better. And, you know, Sam has been right a lot of times within the top 10. Uh, so I'll be interested. I'd just rather have Presti take two swings, I guess, would be my argument. Um, unless he b- really truly Ooh. believes, like Alex said, that somebody is generational that would go number one then it would be worth it to do so. But still, I'd probably rather take two swings. And this is the year where you maybe could make that kind of trade up because like next year, if they're at three and it's Wenbinyama and like Scoot at one, two, like I bet you couldn't even do that trade. Like even if you threw an extra first in addition to two times, you're not probably not going to be able to get up there. So you probably could do that trade this year, but we just don't know if they feel that way about any of these top guys. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess the, I mean, really the, say you, say Presti does believe that, you know, Paulo or Chet is the guy and, you know, you're just right outside of that, that uh, range to get him. Do you sacrifice the, the, the sweetener pick and just go and get your guy given that, you know, for one, we have God, you know, only knows how many assets. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of a, interesting hypothetical that I've been wondering because it's kind of, to me, I feel like both guys are kind of like in between. Yeah. They're not quite that generational player where like you do anything to get them. And even then, like, like Alex said, you know, no one's probably going to give them up if, if they were that, but you know, they still have, you know, uh, unique possibilities and, and becoming like a really great player and fitting with the team as well. Um, just because both guys, I think, would fit perfectly with Josh and Shay, and just uh, really be that unlocking piece for them. And you know, mm-hmm. if you miss out on them, then you know it's kind of like, okay, well, should you go get them, or you know, just 
be happy with two picks. So. Chad, let me ask you something. What do you have against Jabari Smith? You know, I I know a lot of people are um, really high on him, and people are you know even talking about going number one. I honestly just haven't really looked that much into him yet. Um, I've looked into both Chet and Paulo. I'm I'm more of a Bancaro guy uh, myself. Just uh, what I've seen, you know, just um, you know off of YouTube and everything. Uh, yeah, but I haven't really looked into Smith much uh, at this point. Okay, so you want to fight him. Andrew, Alex, who do you guys <laughs> like the most right now out of those three? Chet. I've always been a Chet guy. Always will be. Chet kind of yeah. looks like a, a Stretch Armstrong version of you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that is wildly accurate for sure. Uh, That's I'm probably a- why I like him. I'm a big Jabari Smith guy. I just like the shooting. I mean, I'm I'm just at this point wa- after watching this team play and looking at like some of the numbers behind the squad, it's just like so evident that they play so much better when guys like Kendrick Williams and Mike Muscala are in the game and a lot of it is because they provide some level of shooting. So yeah. just adding somebody that's a knockdown shooter that the defense has to worry about, I think is very important. Um However, I do really like Chet as well. And yeah. I do like Paulo. Like I'm not I'm not <clears throat> so high on Jabari Smith to where I'm like, man, like this it's Jabari Smith or bust. So it's like I, if we can get in the top three, then I will just be elated is on is how I'll feel, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, I feel so that way as well. I would not be disappointed I, with that. I guess to take the exercise a little bit further, unless you know you want to move on, if you get in like four or five and then you know, six to eight range. Do you move up to get in the top three? Yes. Yes, and and hopefully a team in that gets in the top three like is good with their bigs, so that it actually seems feasible. Because right, it right. just Cleveland. granted Cleveland probably is going to make the playoffs this year. So <laughs> right. Yeah, actually, I was going to look at. Like, are there any teams that like definitely don't need a big? I guess there's really not. <laughs> well, even if you're even if you're Cleveland, wouldn't you still want one of these guys? <laughs> no, they, <laughs> to get a fourth seven footer. <laughs> yeah, that's what they're gonna do, man. I mean, no, they, they would, they they would, would do, absolutely do. take Jaden Ivey. Jaden Ivey would be awesome. Man. Yeah, he would be. Yeah, it's, it's tough. I mean. Or, like, what does Orlando think of their big guys? Like, do they think highly of any of them enough? Oh, Andrew, uh, a Bomba, you can get them for a first. Are you interested? A lot of people talking about that. No. no. All right. Not uh, even lottery protected or, you know, late lottery protected? Uh, probably not. I think that Bomba will be available on the market relatively soon. And if you really want him, I think you can get him <laughs> in another way. <laughs> I'm so, really indifferent towards Mo, uh, Mo Bamba, so I'm not willing to give him a first round pick for a guy for a, for a failed lottery guy. You know, I mean, the Thunder did that with Dion Waiters years ago, and we all love Dion for lots of reasons. Yeah, we um, all. But, but it was not a good trade, <laughs> and they did the same thing for Ennis Cantor, and ultimately, like they ended up doing like good things with the Cantor contract itself is that they signed it and then they were able to move it along and turn it into something like that's great. But the Cantor deal ultimately was not a very good trade. Uh, So 
what do you pay Mobamba? What do you, like, the first, I, I don't know. Like, I'm just kind of, and especially because there's so many good bigs in this draft. I'm just like, don't, don't do that now. Maybe if right. you came away from the draft and you came away with two guards in the top 10 and you're like, okay, like if, if they would take like the sun's pick for Bamba, like whatever, you know, that's kind of how I feel. Right. Yeah. That's the only pick that I'd be willing to part with. Like, uh, like the sun's pick or something like that, you know, yeah. late first, uh, just to take a flyer just because, I mean, if I recall correctly, this is his first season where he's actually started to play and look good. Like, uh, you know, and not to mention it's probably come down to earth, uh, since early in the start of the season. So yeah, I, I could care less either way on, um, Mobamba. And like you said, you know, with the, the, uh, the high picks being, you know, all bigs, you know, it's better to take those if, if he, you know, get in that range. So. Mm-hmm. Like I'd rather have Jalen Duran than Bamba, you know. And if you could get him, like, like if the draft ends up going, re- if the lottery goes really poorly, like they could still end up with Jalen Duran and like Patrick Baldwin Jr. or Jaden Ivey or somebody like that, which still isn't like horrific, but it's not ideal. But I would still rather do that than trade a first for Bamba. I mean, it says something that, that he has played. And played well in spots, and the Magic are still like, we'd rather not, you know. Yeah, like that's exactly. that's concerning to me. That's why I would just, that's why I just want to stay away. Uh, all right, thank you, Chad. Appreciate it. Have a great weekend, dude. Yeah, you guys do the same. Bye. Uh, I gotta go to a meeting. See you okay, later. Okay. See you. Bye. Let's answer a couple more questions. Let's go to Jason W. Jason, what's uh, sorry, sorry about that. I had to take you guys off mute. Um, so this might be kind of a dumb question, but uh, everywhere I look for this answer, uh, I'm, I'm having trouble. So do we have our first round pick this year? Because everywhere I look, it show it says that we don't own our own first round pick. So the pick is lottery protected. Okay. If, if the Thunder somehow miraculously made the playoffs, they would lose the pick. Okay. Uh, yeah, they they traded that in the Dennis Schroeder trade to Atlanta, and made it lottery protected. So, okay, um, that's the that's the deal with that. They will have their pick for this. They year. will. So you yes. this year is yes yes unless they make the playoffs, Andrew. Unless yeah. they make the playoffs. If no, they make okay. the playoffs, they lose the pick. So, yeah. All right. That's on. Yeah. Thank you so much. I like Sports Illustrated. If you just look it up, it doesn't even mention that. It just straight up says like we don't own our first round pick. And I'm like, how is that possible? So, yeah, that's bad coverage. Like that's yeah, straight up. Like, right. It's just straight up. We don't care about the Thunder and we're just going to let that out there. But if you, right. if you follow the Thunder, you care about the Thunder and you care about the coverage of the Thunder, you would definitely have in there that it's top 14 protected, that the Thunder will have the pick. Unless they make the playoffs, so yeah. Uh, and don't worry and if you care, you only get your information from the athletic. You don't get it from anywhere else, right? right? Yeah, no, I had a little trouble searching, uh, but that's why I hopped on actually. Um, 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Oh my, I just have one last uh, question. It's, it's pretty quick. What is uh, Josh Giddy's ceiling? I don't see him being like this massive game breaker. Like he's, he's like pretty good at – like he's a really good passer. I don't know about elite yet, but – really good at that. I don't know, like, is he, like, what's his ceiling in terms of, like, he's, I don't think he's amazing at anything. He's, he's, un, he's a gr- really good player. I just don't know where his ceiling is. Uh, I don't know what his ceiling is, but I would say he is a really great passer already. I would say that is an elite skill he has. I think something he has to work on is not picking up his dribble and you know picking spots where he's going to go because right now he's good at kind of wriggling through and getting around and then and then his elite passing skill kind of gets him out of bad decisions more than the other way around so I think if he just kind of works on these pick and rolls where's my spot okay I know where these guys are going to be then I think that is there I think that's there and I don't know what his ceiling would be either because it's hard to compare him to a lot of players if the three-point shooting, so since he's come back from uh, being in health and safety protocols, he's shot 39% on 33 threes. Yeah. So if that if that is like real, and that looks to be, you know, hopefully a little bit more real than what we were hoping with Dort, then, um, I mean, given his size and his passing ability, and even if his, his handling and, um, you know, kind of holding on to the ball a little bit better, gets better than I think he could be really, really good, especially next to some, you know, uh, other weirdo players like SGA and, and whoever else we get in this draft. It's like, if your top three guys are just weirdos, it's hard to, it's hard to gauge what that could be or compare to other players. Yeah. I think he actually has a pretty high ceiling because he does have a, he has a, um, a baseline of what he's going to be, which is like a good passer, a good rebounder. The dude is so strong for his age. I mean, you have to remember, like, this is a teenager that will get stronger and will fill out as his career goes on. And he plays guard. So this is a six foot eight guard, like power guard that can get in and defend multiple positions because of his size and strength. So I think that they can be pretty versatile with him. Uh, the only thing he's not going to be able to be is a point of attack defender, but I think he's going to be strong enough and smart enough to guard, guard guys that are um, bigger, so like bigger wings, 
bigger forwards. I think eventually he will guard those kind of guys. And then, like, he can get out on the break and create so much. Uh, he just sees the floor differently than almost really any player in Thunder history, uh, which sounds kind of crazy with the amount of players that we've had. Like, Chris Paul is obviously the guy that's been better than him. But, like, that's – like, he's definitely probably top three passers already. And we've only seen half a season of him. I think that it's – I think it's a slam dunk that he's one of the best passers in Thunder history. So, I, I think – that his ceiling is pretty high. It will all hinge on the shot. It's yeah. all about the shot from here. If he can score and be reliable and like put up 17 a night with consistency and with like decent, you know, shooting numbers, then we're talking about a guy that could be like a top 40 guy in the NBA. Like he's got that kind of ceiling and maybe even could be better than that. So it's so hard to define ceilings with guys, especially guys that don't have elite athleticism um but he does have elite vision and is an elite rebounder for his position so i i'm just interested to see where it goes but again i think he's going to be a starting level player no matter what happens with his shot but if his shot improves over the next few years then we're talking about a guy that has a pretty high ceiling as a player so, so with that being said, then if he follows that tra- trajectory, do you think the next most important, or just the next piece, I guess, you know, if you have Giddy uh, SGA, and then do you think a three? I know the NBA is kind of shifting from the traditional one through five, but I feel like in this NBA, uh, you need that three guard who can guard, you know, the Kawhi's, the uh, Giannis, the KD, et cetera. Like, do you think, you know, that is. I know you, you know, you draft the best, or I don't know, depending on Sam's, uh, philosophy, you draft the best player, but do you think the three guard is the biggest need then if, you know, those are your one and two guards? I think the like, biggest need is shooting. No matter what, I think if you can get it from, like Jabari Smith is a guy we talked a lot about, like he's, was a four. Um, so if you, like, that's fine. Like I don't, I don't really care where you get it from, whether if it's the wing or from even the center position. I don't care where it is. But I think, obviously, you're going to need a wing defender. I think you can find wing defenders. Uh, I think you can find guys that can do that. Not that, like, Aaron Wiggins is going to be that guy, but an Aaron Wiggins type of guy that is, a, like, a, a low usage, you know, just kind of do the dirty work, take open shots. Like It doesn't have to be Aaron, but maybe it could be that plays on the wing next to these guys, because I do think if you got a big that could take a lot of possessions and carry the offense for portions of the game, that it might be overall a better fit next to those guys, because they need what, what they need now is an elite play finisher because they have two really good creators. And now you, they find themselves in this position where it's either Shea generating his own points or it's Giddy or Shea generating points for guys that are highly inefficient. Get, so if they can get a good get a good play finisher, then I think that you start to have the makings of of a real team. Uh, yeah. Okay. Let's go, Jacob K. Next, Jacob K. You are on the show. Hey, what's up, dudes? Hey, is this Jacob? What's Nippin? up? That it is Jacob Niffin. What's up, man? How you What's doing? Up, man? How are you? Good. You guys doing all right? Yep. Yeah. So, so two things. 
uh, first one is the short one. Uh, Andrew, I believe that you talked on a recent episode about uh, Bobby Marks' proposed trade for the Thunder to get Cam Reddish, yeah, yeah. which included the, the, the Clippers pick. Yeah. Now seeing what Reddish actually went for, is it not crazy to think how preposterous that idea was? Oh, my God. I, was I so didn't mad. see that. I was so mad about it from, from the point that I read it. I was like, this is, this is so bad. There's like, there's just no way the Thunder would ever, ever, ever do that. Um, I think his proposed trade was, was two firsts. And was it Kenrich, I think? And one of the firsts was the Clippers pick. And now seeing what Cam's value actually was, just kind of mind-blowing that, that that was the proposed trade on ESPN.com. Dear Lord. It's crazy. It's, sometimes there's like there's a there's a gap between the way that people think about basketball on Twitter and then what is actually happening within the league. And Cam Reddish is like the poster child of this because I think if you ask a lot of executives about Cam, they'd be like, "Yeah, he's just not very good." You know, I think that would be the response you get. But you ask on NBA Twitter, people are like, "Oh, the potential. The, you know, he could do this. He could do that." And some of it comes from the fact that he's one of the more respected guys, like out of high school. Like everybody thought that he was going to be a star out of high school. And he had a really kind of rough year at Duke. And then obviously we saw what he's done with the Hawks and it just hasn't been very good. Um, but people still tend to believe in him on Twitter. But had, had the Thunder had any interest at all, they had the juice to go get him. You know, they could have used. Not, I mean, if they really, really believed in him, they could have used the Clippers pick. If they still just kind of believed in him, they have a bevy of picks that they could have said, hey, we have that. We can meet your asking price. It won't be that difficult for us, and we won't even miss the pick. But, I mean, it's it's obvious the Thunder did not have interest in him because he's not on the Thunder. Totally agree. Uh, the, the other thing I wanted to ask, speaking of picks, the Thunder have between the 2022, 2023, and 2024 draft something like 12 first rounders. We talk a lot about how consolidation is eventually going to happen. You can't roster all those guys, but that may happen sooner than later. And they have to, I mean, you're not going to consolidate 12 picks down to three or four. So who are some people that are currently on this roster that maybe we haven't talked a lot about? but may, for lack of a better term, end up being victims of the consolidation over the next, I don't know, eight to six. Yeah. Well, Jacob, I mean, have you considered the idea that maybe they want to draft a B team and they're going to introduce that in the next year? Yeah. That, that maybe they have, um, maybe there's going to be a Thunder B team or a JV and they're going to switch them out, you know, okay, this team's in health and safety protocols today. Let's bring in the B team. Yeah. You know, Whatever. That could, that's, that's a possibility. That is well, totally realistic. When Sam Presti said uh, the arrival to the playoffs will be uh, an arrival, not a, an appearance. He was actually talking about the G league. Uh, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> right. Yes. I would say anybody outside of SGA, Lou and Giddy, I think are on the table and lose not off the table. Um, I'd say Baisley, Jeremiah could be one of these guys. I think Aaron Wiggins could be one of these guys. Um, tr- I think Trey is more toward the top because of what he's shown this year, but I wouldn't be surprised if Trey wasn't a part of this team in three years. Uh, I think Poku is without a doubt one of those guys that they can move on from. I really think 
the roster will be incredibly fluid and we'll be maybe even embarrassed of some of the takes that we've had on both of our podcasts about stuff that we said about some of these guys. Um, because I just, we just don't know. I mean, they could draft two bigs in this next draft and they could bench Jeremiah. And like, we, I think Jeremiah is good. I think he's had a good season, but is it a guarantee that he has, you know, if that he's going to play 20 minutes a game next year? I wouldn't guarantee that at all. You know, he's played 22.8 minutes per game this year. Is he going to do that again next year? I mean, it's likely that the answer is no. You know, like that's totally possible. Um, so I would say if you want to be excited about guys, be excited about Shane and Josh. But beyond that, I would say, you know, guard your heart. <laughs> it would be my advice on that because. I just don't know that there's guarantees for anybody else because I think those are the only guys that have shown that they really, really belong. And I think Dort's done that too, but you know, everybody else, you know, has shown either flashes or potential and that's really just about it, you know? And then we have like the whole like Kenrich conversation, you know, will Kenrich around? I mean, it's very possible that he does. Um, I think that he's beloved by the organization. I think that he feels the same way about the city and the team and everything. So, you know, those guys are, are a little bit different um, when it comes to talking about this. But as far as, like, young guys go, it's Josh and it's Shay, and then it's everybody else. So if we were to put the over-under at, like, four and a half of the 14 current full contract players on this team being here 24 months from now, would you go over? Oh, boy. I would – I mean, four is a pretty good number. Um, so I guess I would say if it's four and a half, I might even say under. Because I do think, especially with this next draft, the possibility of getting two guys in the top 12. Okay, well, there's there's two of your guys, right? And then you have an, another first rounder. And then the next draft, which is supposed to be a really good draft, you're going to have multiple. I mean, I just don't think it's going to be that hard to push some of these guys out. You know, over the next cross off some names, year. then let's call it. Start crossing the names off, both of you. I'm not saying anything. Come on, Taylor. Um, Say it. Uh. <laughs> uh, maybe that's a good segment. That's actually a good segment for another time. <laughs> uh, yeah. We still have a lot of people asking to be on stage. Really appreciate you guys um, joining. We're going to call it here. Thanks so much for listening. And joining the live room, this will also be a podcast. So if you have joined the live room, you will be on the pod that will be released later on today. Thanks so much for joining. And we'll talk to you guys again next time. Bye.